This fundraising video and today's guest speaker we have Gabriela Sorrento, co-founder and CEO at Mindesk that was recently acquired by Vaction Technologies. And in this episode, we'll talk about raising your first money, building an MVP and starting to sell that MVP. So also we'll discuss how to choose the right timing to start fundraising. And of course, the fun part, how do you get to sell your company and what happens after you sell it? So Gabriel, Let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Mindesk. Thank you, Constantine. Um, thank you for inviting me tonight um, at your podcast. Uh, it's a great pleasure for me to be here and share my, my background, my knowledge um, for something I really feel compelled to, um, to share with fellows entrepreneurs and, and tech founders. Um, my background is in uh, architectural engineering, and that's how I got involved into 3D CAD design and even eventually uh, what inspired the, the, the business idea of creating a virtual reality interface for CAD software. So uh, back in 2014, um, I was um, completing my master thesis in, uh, in Italy. Um, this uh, very complex architectural project uh, gave me challenges that I could not um, um, I could not face with uh, traditional 2D interfaces. Mm -hmm. So that that gave me the idea to uh, use um, newly available uh, VR technologies that were becoming more accessible in the market to boost the the 3D design. So that was the problem. Uh, I found to be sold. This is one of the key aspects of building a new business. And so I started, you know, I began studying some Python, create uh, uh, a few lines of code, uh, trying to get out a, a piece of software to solve this problem. And uh, this uh, allowed me to get the interest of um, good team members that could see in this project um, something valuable to to put on the market. And uh, that was the step one of Mindesk, creating uh, a great team mm -hmm. uh, that could create uh, a great product. In, uh, 2006, in 2016, then two years later, we moved the headquarters from Italy to the United States this gave us a broader access to a worldwide uh, scenario where we could um, propose our our minimal viable product to the world, get some uh, early users, some early traction, but also getting exposed to programs like HTC Vivex. Indeed, back in the day, HTC was promoting this acceleration program that um, uh, was investing in uh, virtual reality companies, especially those one addressed to the enterprises. We were definitely one of them. We were fitting their criteria, and we got into the program, and uh, and and this also uh, triggered uh, some investor we were in in a conversation with to actually um, jump in the in the in the project and. Uh, back uh, our uh, our company so that is in a nutshell uh, how how it went uh, what was our process 
Mm -hmm. So when, before you got, uh, not acquired by HTC, but before you got into that accelerator, the HTC accelerator, did you already have some MVP? Did you already have some traction? Or do you just, you know, have, do you just have an idea and decide to apply and it worked out? How did it go? So, yes, we, uh, as, uh, as I said, uh, after a few months, uh, we start working on a project. We created a minimal vi viable product, uh, mm -hmm. a very minimalistic uh, set of features that allowed the user to uh, connect the CAD software in real time to a virtual reality headset and initially just visualize the project. And then later we developed the, the interaction features that allows you to manipulate and, or edit the CAD project. But uh, the, the original, the, the first iteration was really minimal and that allowed us to put the, the system on the end of the final users. And uh, trust me, this wasn't easy because um, especially mm -hmm. in our, you know, in our domain, in the enterprise domain, it's really hard uh, to play in a conservative environment with innovation to um, inject new technology uh, in established processes. But uh, our approach was based on existing CAD software. So uh, that uh, really made the thing easier for us. So we basically approached CAD user and 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 we we pitched uh, this up, upgrade to their existing processes. They tried out and they could see the benefit, and and that played out very well. That really helped us to uh, overcome the initial skepticism against a uh, new technology. Mm -hmm. Right. So before we move on to the to a bit of the sad topic, I wanted to ask you like what. What do you think helped you fundraise? So in total, you raised about three million dollars, right? Uh, so what what have you done? U.S. Right? dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. So what what do you think helped you most to raise this money? So the initial feedback from users was uh, was key because mm -hmm. we could, we were experiencing an increasing number of people adopting Mindesk. Um, they were using Mindesk for an increasing amount of time. So the, that proved the, the system to be valuable for them. Right. The whole key here is to create something that people want. I know this is a kind of a, you know, motto or yeah. catchphrase, <laughs> but that's true. Like you really need to, to, to create some value. And uh, while there were a lot of companies like Mindesk providing for virtual reality visualization, we were the only one providing native CAD integration that really put Mindesk a step up compared to the other, uh, that additional value that, uh, you know, makes you outstand other solution. And, uh, and, and this value uh, paid out definitely, um, because we could see an increasing traction over the time. And uh, the, the initial traction, uh, a working product, and the validation of the uh, accelerator were the three keys that eventually unlocked our funding path. Mm -hmm. It is worth to say that 
um, being initially based in in Italy, and which also means Europe, allowed us to raise some public grant. You know, in the United States, is, is, is initial money is from friends and family. Uh, there's nothing like that in Europe, but uh, fortunately, there are public grants that help uh, to kickstart the idea on the, in the very initial days. That's the hardest part. But uh, yeah, we could uh, win a couple of prizes and uh, pay the early team with, with that money. That's great. I've heard a lot of stories from European startups that start like that, actually, with the public money. I wish uh, U.S. was more active on this and, and grants were more, more more widely available, but we'll talk about that later. And now I want to ask you one question that might be a bit sad. What do you think you've done wrong during this fundraising process? So have you done like a mistake that you really regret doing? It's um, It's never too soon to get out of the building and seek for, for user feedback, customer feedback. We, trust me, we could have saved tons of money, um, dozens of thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars of wasted money because we didn't listen to early feedback. So as a technical founder, I, I committed the error to um, base our, our operation too much on an intuition uh, why we could, uh, we should have been more data driven. And that's definitely something, a lesson that you, you're gonna learn the, the hard way uh, if you don't have this, this really data driven approach early on. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I think user feedback is the key here. But now let's let's talk about the more bright side and let's talk about how, uh, when do you actually start acquiring? So you said that you build this minimum, minimum viable product with just minimum set of features. And how do you start acquiring users? So do you, just, you know, uh, do you start some campaigns? And when did you decide that it's time? Um. So the first user of Minus was myself because mm -hmm. I was feeling the pain on my back to create three complex 3D models on a 2D surface. So the first users was, was me. Um, the next 10 users were people like me. So people in, sorry, in, in my same industry, in the uh, AEC industry. So architects, designers, Mm -hmm. ship designer, people were doing a similar task, similar job I was doing, and that uh, could uh, presumably share the problem I had. And that was true. We found a couple of um, very uh, open-minded designers who decided to adopt uh, the earliest version of Mindesk and provided mm -hmm. valuable feedback. And when do you decide that it's time to actually try to charge those users? Because, you know, traction is great, but when users are using your uh, free pilots, it's one thing. And when people are actually paying for it, it's a completely different story. So when do you decide that now we're providing enough value to actually charge our users for this? That's a, that's a great question. And, and that's what uh, drove our decision 
to um, insert an analytic tool in, in our in our software. So with the with the analytics, um, our user would um, first um, sign to allow us to collect some data, mm -hmm. and part of the data was the the usage data. So when we saw a persistent usage of our tool, that's when we reach out to the user and, and ask them to upgrade to the pro version. So the the long story short is um, provide value first and then build for it once the, the value is validated. Uh, early, the earliest version of Minus were just available for free mm -hmm. because the, the, the currency the user paid was uh, feedback, right? So that's how the whole thing started. Yeah, I like how it started. It's it's interesting to hear. So um, here, let's talk about fundraising part. Actually, the actual fundraising. So now we're pre-interview call. You mentioned something like uh, something about finding a champion. It's uh, champion is a person who is just you know helping you fundraise, basically making you tons of introduction with potential investors. Uh, and just, you know, helping you a lot in that process, person who has connections and a person who believes in you. So how, how do you find your champion? Oh, the champion found me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That makes it easier. Well, so on, on, my, on my side, um, I did everything possible to expose our project to the world. I was speaking, <laughs> I was presenting, I was talking to everybody. And uh, one of them, one of those people um, really got interested in, in us and became our champion. But the bottom line is get out of the building, show your project, don't be, don't be stupid, don't make it secret, <laughs> uh, just uh, share as much as possible. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way, yeah. When, when founders tell me- I'll, I'll tell you, when I was in college, it was a, a very dear friend of mine. Um, he's now leading uh, a company that is worth about $30 million. Nice. Uh, and, uh, and I was, you know, start thinking about making a company. We were, you know, drinking some beer, sharing ideas. And he uh -huh. asked me, so Gabriel, what's your, what, what are you up to? What, what's your, what's your project? And I was like, uh, I don't know, Max. Um, it's kind of a secret. I don't want people oh, to no. steal my idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he looked at me with that with that face, and and uh -huh. uh, uh, so it got close to me and 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 told me, Gabriel, I'll tell you a secret. Uh, nobody gives a shit about your idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the best you can do is share it. At least you get some feedback. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? And, I'll probably call that so nobody gives a shit about your idea. Uh, that's that's a great title, I think. You, you can cut that part. I don't know what what's your audience, but <laughs> feel I free. will I will name this episode. No one gives about a shit about your idea. I will, I will literally okay. name this episode like that. So that's I will definitely fair, not fair, fair deal. Fair deal. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I personally hate when people are like, "Oh, sorry, I can't really share to you any any of that stuff because you know we're in a stealth mode." 
like, come on, I work for a venture studio. I have a podcast. Yeah. I'm fundraising. Are you not going to share with me? Seriously? Anyways, we'll not, not focus on those people and move on to actually the acquisition of mindset, mind desk. Sorry. So yeah. the, well, the stealth, was stealth, successful. stealth startup gonna raise stealth money. That's it. <laughs> nice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Probably that's going to be the name of the, the episode. I will, I will think about those two different. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the acquisition now. So Mindesk had a happy ending. You were acquired at the end. How did this happen? How did you uh, find this acquirer of yours? You know, uh, startup founders uh, spend uh, their whole life trying to figure in the day they will get acquired like mm-hmm. uh like people spend other people spend their lives thinking about the, their marriage or like you know that the turning point in your life uh, truth is um when you get acquired nothing change and everything changes so there's there's definitely a shift in into in operation practices uh, mm-hmm. The circle becomes bigger. The family becomes bigger. So now you have to deal with more people and you have to integrate branding, products, operations, uh, finances. There is a bunch of stuff to um, figure out. Uh, and that's that, that's something that takes uh, most of your energy for the time uh, after being acquired. But um, eventually, the synergies uh, among the two companies uh, definitely overcome the the cost of of, of the integration. So that's uh, that's something very important to bear in mind when mm-hmm. when starting a merging pro- process. Right, right. Yeah, actually, in fact, one of my previous speakers said that he raised $1 million just to make the integration into another company, which I think is, is a great story. Uh, but here I want to ask you, how, how do you find that? Uh, how do you find Baction uh, Technologies? How, why did they decide to acquire you and how, how did this happen? You know, did you just get a phone call saying that, hey, we want to buy your company? Or how, how did this work? So they had um this great company with a lot of big names a lot of great customers um when 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 the 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 process started they didn't have a a SaaS product uh and we had one that would perfectly fit their their market so we me and the the vaccine ceo uh we could see a perfect fit about our our companies mm-hmm. and that's what what triggered the 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 merging process and then the introduction happened through one of our investors and that's one of the reasons why it's important to have a vc investors i mean it's definitely um a difficult step to uh, engage with them negotiate a deal with them but once they're on board they play your game they help you on the ongoing processes so the acquiring company was on the radar of our one of our investors and that's how we got the the connection 
Uh, and that's again the, the importance of you know being out there in the field. And here, let's talk about. So, uh, as I said earlier, uh, most of my listeners are actually early stage founders who are not quite close to the acquisition part. So, what would be your advice to those early stage founders who are listening to this episode right now? Get out from the early stage. <laughs> how 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 to do that? It's always the same receipt, getting new customers. How do you get new customers? Provide a solution for their problem. It's all, the chain is always like that. Right. There, there is this uh, potential unexpressed desire outside that need to be solved. Um, you are one of the first seeing it and procuring this uh, solution. And uh, and and this generates some uh, uh, some movement. This generates some uh, actual um, economic value for someone. And mm-hmm. once you get to that point, it's just a matter of fine tuning, adjusting the 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 machine, uh, and to to get the job done. Right. Right. So here, <clears throat> sorry. Here I want to go back to what you said uh, about finding a champion. So you said that champion actually found you, and you were just going out to those events, you know, speaking about your company, about the, your solution. Can you give me a couple of examples of those events? So uh, were those like professional conferences about uh, uh, the? Design and uh, architecture, or what? What were those events, or were those you know pitch demo events? Yes, great question. So, if I look in retrospective, uh, I would say that our progress was a result of pure luck. <laughs> uh, was nearly like nearly impossible because, like for example, the way I met uh, our CTO was by presenting our uh, early, early uh, demo to mm-hmm. a Comic-Con, Comic-Con event, like video game and comic conference in, in body, very little conference. The mayor was opening the, the ceremony. Uh, so very unlikely to find uh-huh. yeah. uh, like a super expert uh, CTO that was that was ridiculous. Uh, the the luck we had. Actually, he had um, um, he had a spot next to us. He was uh-huh. presenting his own video game. Um, it was a phone game about saving the rabbits, and uh, <laughs> nobody would give a dime. Like uh, I was like trying the game. I was like, ah, yeah, shish, like. Uh, what is this? And, <laughs> but then I, I look, I look farther, and I thought, okay, this guy managed to create a game from scratch with sound effects, uh, graphics, uh, physics, a level editor that really looked like a, a CAD software. So maybe this is a good guy. And mm-hmm. uh, and I followed up, share my idea again. Always, I keep repeating myself, sharing my ideas mm-hmm. that made something click in his mind and and it just happened the destiny the faith made his uh, uh made his game um in another competition 
we met our champion, which was basically uh, one of the judges uh -huh. that vote for us, and uh, he believed in us and he allowed us to to win that competition. That we followed up, uh, introduced uh, one of the investing team, and uh, that's it. Uh, serendipity plays a huge role in this, but you need as a founder to create the condition for luck to play your your game. That's that's, that's, that's the key. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And actually, I had a couple of stories like that. I mean, I've heard a couple of stories like that. One of my previous speakers actually found his lead investor in a pub. So he was just drinking beer. And then the guy saw that he was using this uh, this battery that his company was developing. He was like, oh, what's that? He pitched the idea. And then it turned out that the guy was a pretty big investor, connected to a pretty big investor. Yeah. And, and story like this happened exactly. all the time. Exactly. I was in, I was in Helsinki back in 2015 uh, at this uh, huge event called Slush, uh, and and uh, one of the events in 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 this Kermes was uh, uh, pitching naked to to investor in in a sauna. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, why not? Like, let's do this. Uh, nothing bad could happen from, from this. <laughs> All right. What, what happened there? Well, not, nothing happened that day. But <laughs> again, I was, I was ready for embracing uh, destiny, for embracing luck. Uh, yeah. I wasn't imposing any limit to, to myself, uh, to my company. And and that's the way to do. Never impose yourself limits. That's epic. That's Europe in just one sentence. You're pitching to an investor naked in a sauna. That's that's Europe. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because when you pitch naked, all the the social distancing. What a what a what a what a bad period to, to, for this discussion. But um, <laughs> yeah. one of the some of the barriers that uh play against you fall down and and you can really gain the trust of the person that is in front of you that's something uh, that is socially awkward but uh people mm -hmm. yeah uh, try to undervalue uh but in in uh in in helsinki uh, the culture is a bit different they don't care about this and things like this are possible there but that, that's just a matter of, um, again, understanding what's what's going on and embracing any opportunity. Right, right. Yeah, I think you're. It's it's great, great examples right there. I mean, pitching naked in a sauna. That's that's a good <laughs> example of you know just trying every every opportunity that you can take. Just take that. All right. So here, let's talk about the last probably subject of our today's interview, and it's. Uh, I like to talk with the successful founders who recently sold their companies uh, and ask them if they're doing angel investing personally. So uh, a lot of them have sold their company successfully and they feel that they, you know, they want to help other entrepreneurs and they have experience in uh, building startups. So they decide to become angel investors and a lot of them join angel groups, etc. So do you do anything like that? Um, I'm definitely considering doing that. Um, it's a, uh... I, I would say it's a very, um, it's very likely this to happen for two reasons. The first reason is because 
I've been through the whole process. So mm-hmm. um, becoming an angel investor would allow me to go through the process again from the other side of the table, uh, being able to mentor another fellow uh, entrepreneur. It's like becoming young again. You know, when, <laughs> when you're young, you're, you're young once in your high younghood and twice in your fatherhood. And that's a similar process that repeats itself. Um, so, yeah. But as for now, I'm still very focused in, uh, in, in my current uh, activity. Uh, but, yeah, definitely considering being an angel investor in the future. Right. So the second part of this question is advisory. So some founders cannot invest in other founders, you know, uh, for for a variety of reasons, but they can be advisors for those startups. So do you do any advisory work right now? I sit in a couple of advisory boards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you can you... see, I, I'm, I'm very open. Uh, I love to give a helping hand yeah. to whoever needs it. Um, so how, how does this work? So how should founders actually reach out to you and ask you to become their advisor? Because I know you're really busy. You have tons of things to do. Why? How, how should they reach out to you so that you choose them? Um, well, you're right. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot hide it. Like I'm actually pretty busy. Um, again, it's a, it's a matter of... Um, of luck maybe i meet someone uh in a bar and mm-hmm. they, they they tell me about their business and i fall in love with that idea that could happen right right yeah i mean probably there's, there's, just no... there's uh, unfortunately this is not a, a short process yeah i wish unfortunately, it would. unfortunately or fortunately because then a structured process would have other other barriers, especially yeah. for early early stage funders. Most definitely, I love that that part of uh, startup world that there is just you know no structured part, no no structure whatsoever. You just do whatever you think you should do, and that's that's it. You hope that it's going to work out. So we'll wrap it up here. Uh, last last question. I'm trying to do this, you know sort of a call to action thing at the very end of each of my episodes. So whenever someone is listening to this episode and when they're going to be finished, what is one thing that you want them to do immediately? You know, or maybe they want, they should go on LinkedIn and uh, reach out to their old friend or go and uh, register for an online pitch demo event right now during the pandemic, they're only online. But <laughs> what was that one thing that you would recommend them doing right now? Well, definitely one thing is, is solving an actual problem. Um, the COVID is creating a whole new bunch of problems mm-hmm. related to transportation, connection. Uh, those are un- unsolved problems. Um, try to tackle the consumer good uh, uh, industry that is not being uh, very affected. Cloud services are also doing very well mm-hmm. so th- this is uh, one direction to go once you get your 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 um, business idea right and then collect data reach to users and uh and and, and yeah and, and go go for that 
Perfect. That's perfect advice. And we'll wrap it up here on this positive note. Thanks a lot, Gabriel, for coming up and for sharing your experience, for sharing your story of the success of uh, MindAsk. And have a great week. Oh, that was totally my pleasure. Thank you, Constantine. Thank you.